Okay, welcome back to another fantastic episode. I have a feeling it's going to be a great show, like all of them, of Get Unstuck, Live Happy and Free. We had an earlier one today. Our, our guest, unfortunately, couldn't make it, um, but they'll be back for another one, so you're going to hear that one later. Um, but right now, our guest is uh, on time and punctual, which is awesome. appreciate it. They're going to talk about things that have uh, not you know, things that have not been good for them in life and how they got through them. And I'll do the same. It's an adult show. So get the kids out of the room because I am going to curse a bit. Um, and please check out the links below, uh, especially uh, go to redbubble.com and search Studio 17 Designs. That's with a number 17 in the middle and a Z at the end. You'll find lots of funny things there that you can print on whatever shirt, mug, mouse pad to help get you through the damn day, have a physical reminder in front of you. I'm a big fan of that. Put a stone in your pocket and tap it when you need some strength or look at that funny thing you got at studio 17's designs. Well, at redbubble.com, sorry. Uh, and you searched up the studio 17 designs. There we go. All right. The plug is finished and we are going to get right into it. And I'm so looking forward to talking to this guest today who I've just led into the room. Uh, she's got a huge smile on her face. Wow, what a great way to like intro yourself. It's a great shot I'm seeing of you. And I'll, I'll uh, let the guests go ahead and introduce themselves uh, so I don't get the name wrong, number one, as always. And uh, number two, you know, let us know uh, where you're at and uh, what you're up to these days, at least what you do, if, if something that's what you want to chat about. How are you doing? Welcome. Hi, I am great. How are you? I'm doing all right. Uh, let the audience know uh, who you are, where you're from, and uh, what, what you're doing in life. My name is LaTanya Edwards. I am in Atlanta, Georgia, and mm. I am a trauma-informed wellness coach. Wow, that sounds great. Now, what do they say when other people say Atlanta? What's like the shout out that you say, you know, go whatever or something? Because I, I just heard somebody say that the other day, but I forgot what it, what it was. I'm sure there's a couple, right? Um, yeah, there are a couple, so I'm not really sure what to name. <laughs> <laughs> I, they, it wasn't... It wasn't like go Braves or something like that. It was something about the city itself or maybe a part of the city. I don't know. Maybe it was an area code, you know? Yeah. What is, um, what's I it? would say maybe, you are maybe referring to like 404. Or yeah. Yeah. Like okay. Yeah. It was, it was an area code because that, that just rang a bell with me. Well, <laughs> that's great. Atlanta is a great city. I don't know what you know uh, about you, but I really love Atlanta. Uh, I have been there multiple times and, uh, it's great because it has, you know, it's got culture, it's got history, good or bad, um, good and bad, like every place. Um, mm -hmm. And, um, we, but it has, you know, it's very modern and, uh, you know, people are like, they know their crap there, you know what I mean? They're like up to date with everything as well as being hip and cool at the same time. So I guess I'm saying all that stuff about you, Latanya. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you. But I will say I agree. I feel like um, Atlanta is kind of like a small country town, but it's mm -hmm. like in a, a city. So yeah, that's the nice part. It's a lot you of, can have both. Yeah. <laughs> you can have both. Exactly. You can yeah. have both. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate you coming on today. As you know, this podcast is all about getting unstuck, living happy and free. 
And we're all adults who have been through some pretty crappy stuff. And uh, I hope that this podcast helps folks out there who might be in a really bad rut, uh, or they might just be a little bit down, you know, or they might just want some, you know, good advice to stick in their toolbox that they can use later on when, you know, the shit hits the fan, as they say. Um, And uh, I try to always discover, you know, things about our guests as I'm on the air with them. So I, I, uh, I try not to look at, um, you know, bios too much, but I know your email address is uh, recovering your soul. Um, so let me just start off the bat um, so that we, we don't forget this. Um, and that was great intro. Um, tell me what is, you know, your website, what's it about and uh, what do you do for folks and, you know, how, the, how they could reach you if they want that in the future. So my website is recoveringyoursoul.com and you can find me anywhere at Recovering Your Soul. That's Facebook, Instagram, okay, uh, Twitter. Gotcha. But what I do is I focus on survivors of sexual trauma. Okay. And I focus specifically on survivors of sexual trauma because therapy sometimes is not enough. You know, therapy focuses on coping mm. and not necessarily happiness. Mm, so that's, once that's someone interesting. gets to once interesting gets interesting to the point, way to put it. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Once someone gets to the point that they're coping with their daily life, but they're not really happy, you know, they're just kind of living, but right. that's it. Yeah. You yeah. know, that's where, that's they're where just, I come in to bridge that gap. They're, they're just living. They're not living. Right. <laughs> right. They're just alive. They're not living. Right. Yeah. 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 Well, that's what it's about. I mean, I just heard uh, this statistic. Um, I guess it was, it was a Gallup poll in the States, you know, that, uh, this is 80, well, it's 13% of people, they're happy in their work, right? Um, and then it was like 64% um, uh, do not like their work. And then like another 14% uh, absolutely loathe and hate their work. You know, so it's basically it adds up to like 87% of people are not happy in the thing that they've got to do most of their life, right? Five days a week, you know, and most of that day, um, and that's just, it's a terrible, awful thing. And when you take that and, uh, you know, combine that with trauma from the past, regardless of what kind of trauma it is or when it happened, it's like, man, you've got such an uphill battle in front of you. You got two things, you know, there to struggle against kind of the, the normal doldrum or real unhappiness, you know, of something that you got to do all the time. And then you've got, you know, much deeper things inside of you that, uh, you know, are also trying to pull you back. Um, So I'd like to start out just by asking you, um, you know, what got you into this whole field? Um, You know, I know you do podcasting as well. So um, was this always a passion of yours um, or were you stuck in a job that you freaking hated and got out of or in a bad life situation uh, in any way that got that you got out of uh and you said hey you know what this might be able to help some others and you know you want to spread that goodness or no maybe you know your life's been great always and you just like uh you know helping other folks um well you know i will start with saying that it is a really sad statistic that most people are unhappy in their life Mm -hmm. Um, and especially with their jobs because we spend more time at work than we do anything else right Yeah. Um, the reason I got into this is because I am a survivor of sexual trauma. Mm-hmm. And you're right that most adults have been through some type of trauma. And, you know, there is no big or small trauma. Trauma is trauma is trauma. Yeah. So just because it's different than someone else's doesn't make theirs less or mm-hmm. mine more. 
And yeah. so it has always, because of my own personal experiences, it's always been a desire of mine to help other people get through something that, you know, I understand that right. the dark tunnel you can be in because of trauma. And I will say I did have another career, but I wasn't happy in it because I felt like it didn't matter. You know, I mm. felt like, like a robot could do my job and probably better than me because I didn't want to do it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, they, it, uh, pretty soon it will be a robot doing it. So, <laughs> right. I'm sure there will be. I am yeah. more than sure that there will be. But I wanted to do something that mattered. You know, yeah. something that makes a difference in someone's life, even yeah. if it's a small difference. And I hear that from lots of guests, and I totally, you know, agree with that myself. Um, it's part of why I'm doing this podcast. Uh, hopefully, it's going to help some people out there. Um, but for folks who who, you know, maybe they don't know what uh, could be fulfilling for them or what could be a passion of theirs. You know, some folks are just, you know, they knew at a young age, like, I want to do this. And that's what they do. And they love doing it and so on. And then there's others who are like, I don't know what I want to do. You know, they're kicking different ideas around or, you know, um, you know, just trying one thing or the other. Um, but what's your advice or suggestions uh, on how people can potentially find something that matters, you know, or matters to them? I would say, look at their hobbies, look at your hobbies mm -hmm. and what do you do for free all the time? Mm -hmm. And then figure out how you can make money with this thing that you always do for free. Yeah. Somebody actually yeah. said something about, uh, you know, how people are always saying, basically what I just said, which is, you know, find your passion and then figure out how you can turn that into your work. Right. Um, mm -hmm. And somebody, another person uh, recently said to me, I think that's a great way to do it. And if you could do it, that, that's good. Right. Um, but the second best way, if you can't figure that out, or you just cannot make your, your passion, you know, any money from it, don't quit and give up on it. Keep doing that in your, in your own time so that you're getting happiness from it still. But then secondly, take a look at what is easy for you or what comes naturally for you, you know, what's kind of like your natural abilities and then try to figure out how to monetize that, right? So um, whatever that might be, it may not be your passion. It may not be the first thing, but instead of being in a job that you freaking hate, right? And that's constantly bringing you down, then it's just like, okay, well, what's better than that? Uh, it would be your passion, but what's in between? well, what can I do that like doesn't bug me so much or I can do easily, you know? And then it's like, well, this is simple for me. You know, it's hard for other people. And if they had to do it all day, it would really suck. But for me, I don't love it. It's not passion, but I can do it easy. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't, it's not killing me. So monetize that if you can figure out a way to make money out of that. Um, but it sounds like you have found best of both worlds, which is finding your passion and how to make a business out of that. So that's, that's great. I'm glad to hear it for you. Um, and for that business, um, was it always, uh, how it is now, or just some practical advice for people who maybe they have a passion, uh, but they haven't started it into a business, um, or people who are going to look for a passion and maybe in the future when they do find it now they figure out, well, shit, how can I turn this into a business? Obviously there's, there's the ups and downs of businesses, but any thoughts or advice or from your experience of how you turn that passion you know, into a practical revenue stream for yourself? I would say to keep an open mind, stay mm -hmm. flexible. Don't 
don't be so set in this is the way that I'm going to do something. This is the way that I'm going to make money. Because mm -hmm. when I started, I said, you know, I just want to make, I just want to coach people. And that's the only thing that I ever want to do. But what mm -hmm. I do now has evolved into more than this survivors of sexual trauma, more than just life coaching, you know, it's courses, books. So stay flexible and realize that what I love doesn't just have one path. How, how to make money isn't just one path, you know, mm -hmm. so stay open to the things that come to you when you're in that creative flow and when you're doing something that you actually want to do or something that you don't mind doing, I will say. So, cause sometimes finding passion is hard and stressful and you get so focused on, well, what am I passionate about? Mm -hmm. You know, that you kind of miss the things that you are naturally talented at, that you can just, you can do in your sleep without, you know, without any kind of stress or extra work. So stay open is yeah. my advice. Yeah, good thought. Um, uh, well, I try and touch on, you know, every kind of topic, you know, that we can hit on that creates, you know, struggles for people in life. Uh, so some episodes will be about, you know, it's, it's an entrepreneur talking about, you know, how they lost everything, you know, and they ended in, you know, losing their family, you know, because they couldn't support them anymore, just whatever. Um, so whether it's, you know, from a business end of it or people who are, you know, sitting there, you know, with an addiction and they've got the bottle in their hand and how did they come back out of that? Um, you know, I'm always looking for, um, you know, kind of different topics that, um, you know, people can relate to, or they can at least um, use it as something that they can empathize with other people more, right, to understand, you know, somebody else who may have been through something that you've not gone through, um, I think is really important. Uh, number one, it can, you know, it can definitely increase the depth of your connections to other people. Um, and then number two, just to hear another story that maybe you're not familiar with or didn't go through enables you to look at that other person on the bus or at your work and say, well, maybe they've been through this struggle in life, you know, or maybe they have a story like I heard last night on that podcast. Um, and if, if you have a kind of, um, you know, empathetic heart and you kind of hold these things in, in your head, the next time you're getting a fight with somebody or arguing or, um, you know, you just never know what, what they're going through too, or what they've been through or what their struggles are. So, um, it's really great to hear different, you know, perspectives on all kinds of subjects. Um, sexual trauma is certainly a difficult subject for many people, um, whether they've experienced it or not. Um, but it's absolutely critical. Um, and it's something that, you know, I'm very curious about, um, how that has affected, uh, you know, people, not just uh, in our time, but, you know, in the past uh, as well, because it's amazing to me that things that, you know, let's say gay marriage, right? Somebody, mm -hmm. let's say even, even in the 60s or 70s, right? Well, they, they never got married, you know, um, they never had kids and, and whatever. And they also never, you know, took on a partner and lived together with somebody and they, and they were incredibly sad, you know? Um, whereas 50 years later in 2020, um, that isn't so much the case, right? Or at least the opportunities are, are very different and the stigmatization of things are very different. Um, so it's great that we progress as a society, right? Um, that people 
can be happy um, as long as they're not, you know, hurting themselves or hurting anybody else to live and let live. Um, and this is, you know, a particular subject um, that I just happened to uh, read an article the other day and it was about how sexual trauma is treated differently, obviously across the world in different cultures, because in one place, you know, you talk about it, other places, you get kicked out of the house, you know, or other places, you don't ever tell that to your husband, or he's, you know, going to tie you up with a rope, you know, and hang you, you know, in a place. I mean, it's, it's horrible um, that there are so many places that are still way, way back in, you know, the development stages in comparison to here in the States. Um, so I'm curious for yourself, um, you know, over how has um, your work changed over time or how has just, I'm curious on a more societal level first, um, how have things changed since you started doing this to now, or do you, do you see any progress and hope in that? Um, I will say they haven't, unfortunately. Ah, okay. Now this is, <laughs> um, you know, this, is people... this is why I ask these questions because sometimes you you're surprised at the answers you get, which I'm surprised to hear, but from a professional who deals with it, I would love to hear why, because when people, I hope our listeners out there hear why, maybe they can be part of the change to have that answer not be the same in two years from now. And, you know, the truth is, is that sexual abuse, sexual assault, and sexual harassment, it's kind of like this open secret that mm -hmm. everyone knows that things like this happen, mm -hmm. but nobody wants to talk about it because there are women. Well, and damn it, we're talking about Latanya. I'm telling you, right, I'm, yeah, yeah. you. <laughs> I'm right by your side. Let's stop. <laughs> but there are women and men who've experienced sexual trauma that are married to someone and that person that they live with, that they share yeah. their life with every day, doesn't even know this thing happened yeah. to them, mm -hmm. you know? And the truth is like with, I use women as a statistic because 100% of women either have experienced some type of sexual violence or they know someone who has, Yeah. but on the opposite end of that, we don't know that many abusers that many rapists, that many, you know, that many people mm. who commit these type of acts. And the reason we don't is because nobody wants to talk about it. Mm, yeah. So it's this, say, huh. it yeah, becomes this thing as to whether it happens to men or women, it becomes this thing that you can't talk about it because of the way society stigmatizes you, the mm. way they re-victimize you, they re-traumatize you. Mm. You know, it always becomes this, well, what were you wearing? What were you doing? Mm. Why did you cause this thing to happen to you? I'm, I'm curious for, for most of the, sorry to interrupt you, but I'm curious for most of the, I, I mean, I'm not asking for some percentage number or whatever, um, but for people that you do work with, is that oftentimes, or most of the time, is that what uh, you hear people telling you that, you know, well, that's the first thing that came to me, not empathy or understanding, you know, but it was trying to find blame in me or why was it my fault? Did, obviously you yes. hear that sometimes. Is that the majority of what you hear? You know, wow. I hear that all the time and it's rare that I don't hear that, that me having wow, to tell that sucks. it's the way that we process uh, survivors. Mm. So anyone that's experienced anything, they have to keep retelling it and keep retelling it. And, you know, it's from the first person they tell to the police, to the doctor, to mm -hmm. lawyers, to however else they just keep having to relive this situation. And at first, when something happens to you and you can finally come out and talk about it, having to talk about it repeatedly re-traumatizes you. Mm -hmm, yeah. So it's, it's this terrible thing happened to me that violated my boundaries in such a way that it affects every other aspect of my life. Mm -hmm. And now I have to do more than just tell one person. 
I have to keep, you know, I have to keep talking about it. And then I have to be questioned about it. Yeah. And then people are going to ask me, you know, all of these invasive questions instead of treating me with care, basically. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, and like I said, that's with women and with men. And, you know, most sexual crimes are underreported and the statistics oh, are yeah, high. Sure. Yeah. You know, the, it's, it's statistically, this thing touches a lot of people and there is no, you know, it, it's not about demographics or economics, yeah, you know, across sure. the board, it's kind it's of about the same. humankind and our, I don't know, you know, our hardwired, uh, I don't know what, you know, it's like, if you look at the, the needs of humans, you know, people will say food, you know, shelter, uh, water, uh, sex, and mm -hmm. I forget the fifth one, you know, um, of course, we can do terrible things. We can do both good and bad things with those natural, you know, things that are hardwired into us. Um, and, and, you know, violating somebody's boundaries in that area certainly is one of them. Um, and it is so sad to hear you say that people still these days feel like they've, you know, they get traumatized again by going over it again and again. So uh, is there any movement just in your field for hopefully educating, you know, the people in that process? Cause it's a little bit surprising to me that it's still so prevalent that way. Um, you know, that they, you know, look at the accuser first and then interrogate the heck yeah. out of them and, because if so many people know somebody who has been through that situation, you'd think the process would be a little more empathetic because it's not like all the people in that process, they don't know anybody this has happened to. Well, you know? So that's the thing is that we're walking around, you, you possibly talk to women or men every day that mm -hmm. have experienced some type of sexual violence that oh, they yeah, will never sure. hear about. But I will use um, R. Kelly and Epstein as an example. Okay. People knew that people knew that women were being abused mm -hmm. and they still did business with these two people. Mm -hmm. They still had friendships with these two people. They still hung around these two people. So it's kind of like, it becomes this, like I said, an open secret. If this thing is not affecting me directly, then I'm going to pretend I don't know about it. Yeah. Especially if they're getting some other sort of benefit, you know, business, exactly. benefit or their business dealings and money and, and, yeah. and social status and everything else. Then they're just going to pretend that they don't see, you know, everything else is happening. You so, know? so because I want to always give hope. So for somebody out there who's sitting and listening to this and they're saying, well, this, this totally locks in my belief or my decision that I'm never going to talk about what happened to me. And I certainly don't want to leave people with that thought in their mind. Um, so what is kind of, I hope there's a flip side to this of, um, you know, something that uh, hopefully can encourage people to say, well, even though it is this way still, sadly, um, that here are the more important and stronger reasons that, you should, you know, talk about, or that you should report it, or that you should, you know, come and see somebody like Latanya. Um, for your own personal healing is one, and things, you know, I know that sounds kind of drab that you know things aren't different, but there are support groups that help survivors, you know, and not just to tell your story, but support you in every other aspect of your life. Mm -hmm. You know, so the more people that talk about it, the less of a secret it can be. You know, and you, I, like I know myself and I, I sit on a board of a 
a nonprofit that deals with military sexual trauma, which is another, that's yes. a whole other can right. of worms. Yeah. But um, so the more people that talk about it, the more people that refuse to be quiet, the less everybody can pretend that yeah. it's not a problem. You know, so talk about it for your own personal healing, but also because your story can help someone else. Yeah, and I was going to say right there is uh, hopefully a motivator for some people. And I was talking to somebody on the podcast the other day and, you know, he's a, a cancer patient. He's been battling that for years. Um, he's, you know, like in and out of the hospital every other day. Um, literally for his interferon injections and chemo and all of that. And, uh, you know, it was pretty amazing that he was able to say this, but, you know, he said, you know, because I asked him what keeps him going, what motivates him to keep going. He said, you know, I think, you know, I got to a point where, you know, I had to accept that, you know, these are the cards I've been dealt. Um, and I want to do all I can, you know, in order to prolong my life, you know, because I want to, you know, be with my kids or I want to go see a baseball game or whatever it is. So for those reasons, but the thing that really, um, in his words, you know, the thing that really got me, um, you know, that long-term motivation to keep going is that I found, you know, looking at something bigger than just me, uh, was, was a better driver than just looking at, at what, you know, my personal life is and, and why sticking around, I want to do that. Um, but, you know, instead thinking, well, but if I go through this stuff and I don't quit and I don't give up, it may not save my life, but it could be the research, you know, cause he's in like different research programs and so on pilot programs. He said, but you know, if I keep doing this stuff, maybe the science that comes out of this and this research and the data will be able to save somebody in the future. So, you know, he, he said it kind of gave him, you know, like this, uh, this boost this uplift just to know that he's part of a, the, the grander scheme of things, right. And the bigger picture. Um, and I think that, uh, can certainly be a motivator if you're able to think of, you know, something bigger than ourselves. Granted, you want to do it because you want to be happier or you want to get through the crap, you know, uh, or you want to have a happier life. Um, but if that's not enough, if it's really tough, I don't know, think about maybe, you know, it could be helping your great grandchildren down the line, right? If you talk about this now, maybe it will not happen to them. And, uh, you know, I teach um, rape safe classes. Um, so I'm teaching, you know, uh, both young men and women um, and high schoolers and middle schoolers how to protect themselves physically if they get into bad situations or how to hopefully avoid those situations to begin with. And for me, you know, I, the biggest satisfaction out of that is, for example, uh, like a high school teacher who unfortunately suffered some sexual abuse at the hands of students after school one day. Um, she hadn't gone outside for a year after that. Um, you know, she was scared to go shopping just to, to do anything. And, you know, she was doing all of the, you know, kind of, uh, I don't want to say mental work, but she was, you know, reading everything she could, you know, she was talking to friends, uh, she had been in some support groups and everything. Um, but she told me that it wasn't until she took this class, and she actually did some physical things that that 
then helped her to feel safer. Now, like, oh, okay, I never thought about that when I go to my car, have my keys in my hand with a key sticking through my finger, and don't walk to my car from the building yet until I take, you know, a 360 view around, you know, and don't get to my car door and fumble with my keys or my cell phone or whatever, but be able to get right into my car quickly. And so it was just, you know, things like that. And then physically, you know, practicing in class different moves uh, to protect yourself if somebody's, you know, uh, physically contacting you. Um, she said, you know, that was, that was the key. That was the thing I needed. I, I'm fortunate because I happen to be the person to help her do that. So, I, but you know, the reason I'm telling the story is because it made me feel so much better to do something for somebody besides myself, you know, or see the bigger picture. Um, so I, I hope that uh, if people think that way that, you know, that'll benefit them as well. Yeah, um, I agree. Yeah. I would say uh, two parts. One one thing about the acceptance part, I think people misunderstand acceptance. So a lot mm -hmm. of times, especially with sexual trauma, they struggle with accepting something happened to mm -hmm. them. Acceptance mm -hmm. only means that this thing is true. You yeah. know, this happened. It is a fact. It doesn't mean that you wanted it to happen or you asked for it to happen or anything else. It only means this is a fact, mm -hmm. you know, and once they can accept it, they can start to move forward. But also it, it is true because trauma affects you on every single level. Only mental work sometimes doesn't free you the way you need to be freed. So sometimes mm -hmm. you do need a class to teach you how to protect yourself, to give you mm -hmm. information so you feel safe physically as well as working on the mental part of it. So you are absolutely correct that people need more than just therapy and classes and support groups. Sometimes they do need to know how to physically protect themselves to feel to feel safe and to be able to heal and helping others i will say seeing the bigger picture that's also very therapeutic you know yeah. the more you help someone the more it helps you you know yeah. so it's like you 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 learn easier through teaching something yeah. you know? <laughs> so. and it's empowering for you know also because it gives you confidence here because you can see the effect that you had on somebody, you know, regardless of what that kind of help is that you're doing for somebody, you're like, huh, that was me. I made that impact. Like, huh, I do matter or what I do, you know, helping somebody, it makes a difference, you know? So I have value, you know, I have worth, et cetera, all that stuff, you know, I think uh, just, you know, rises, um, you know, when you lend that helping hand. Well, I'd like to ask you, you know, on a more personal level, um, before you were doing this, um, I don't know if you had any, you know, tools in the toolbox um, for addressing, you know, trauma that happens in life, um, you know, and for those out there who don't have it, or they're starting to investigate that, um, you know, how did you come about figuring out how to help heal yourself, um, you know, going through such a situation? Um, for me personally, it started with journaling. Um, mm -hmm. And the reason it started with journaling, I, I always like to say, when you write something down, it traps it on the page and it can't bother you anymore. Mm, but like the truth is, is that sometimes you can write things that you can't tell other people, you know, yeah. so you can write it down in a book that nobody will ever see. And mm -hmm. that becomes therapeutic. Mm -hmm. that you can express yourself without fear of judgment or what is somebody going to say or what are they going to ask me or, mm -hmm. you know, I can write this thing down. I never have to say it out loud. I never mm -hmm. have to tell another person, mm -hmm. but I was able to get it out of me because it, yeah. when you, once you're, you're holding something inside, it just keeps 
building and building and building till you feel like you're going to explode. So for me, it started with journaling. And then once I, I was journaling, then I was able to talk to other people about it. And then I, I went to therapy and, you know, I've gone through a, a, a number of therapists over the years. And, um, I think getting rid of the stigma of there's something wrong with me if I need to talk to someone, you know, if I need to reach out for help, that means there's something wrong with me. It's okay to need help. It's okay to reach out. It's okay to want to talk to another person about things that you're going through. Yeah, absolutely. For anybody who's sitting out there feeling that feeling um, that like, oh, I shouldn't do this or why can't I do this on my own or whatever. I mean, we were not, uh, yeah, I don't think we were put on this earth to be solitary people. You know, we were, I, yeah, I, right. I, I agree. I, we are, we're pack animals. Yeah, we exactly. Supposed to be interdependent, not interdependent, not independent. Yeah. So we're not meant to be alone. Yeah. And you, I mean, there's so many fascinating studies just about either loneliness, um, you know, or that, you know, banding together mentality. Obviously, when we were hunter gatherers many years ago, uh, you know, we weren't as big as the elephants or lions or whatever that, you know, uh, or the woolly mammoths that, you know, that, that were being hunted them, but because people banded together, right, and worked together, they were able to accomplish much, much bigger things. Um, so it seems like designed by nature, number one, that we're not supposed to be alone, or we probably couldn't have survived, you know, back then. If we were alone, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and when you look at studies, um, you know, even animal studies, of, uh, I think it was chimpanzees they use just because it's closer to our DNA, uh, you know, of orphaned uh, chimps at birth, you know, them allowing uh basically them to have touch of another adult female chimpanzee um that that chimp would live whereas uh, sadly for for science you know, or whatever they would put one alone and not allow that and the chimp would die like within three weeks um, you know babies yeah. will die if they right. don't have human okay touch. great yeah you talk yeah, about you, that. it's it's called a failure to, failure to thrive so if a human baby does not have human touch and someone talking to them, it, it takes more than just feeding and changing. Mm-hmm. You have to pick a baby up. You have to hold them. And if you don't, then they will, they'll literally stop growing. Mm-hmm. You know, they will, they will cease to exist because yeah. they don't have the human connection. So don't be afraid, yeah. listeners, to reach out and have that human connection. It's the way we're supposed to be. Unfortunately, you know, a lot of our you know, cultural things or, you know, just things that are thrown at us all the time kind of uh, make us feel like we need to do it on our own or we have to be Superman or Superwoman or, you know, very individualistic societies, you know, here in the West um, are very different than community-oriented societies in other places that probably are still that way um, because out of necessity, you know, it's like you have a big family because, you still got a farm, right? And uh, so you need free workers. Well, that big family ends up giving you a lot of togetherness and closeness and connection and support throughout your entire life. Whereas, you know, if you're a latchkey kid in America or a Western country and both your parents are at work and, you know, you're told, well, you've got to 
you know, start cooking at this age or mow the lawn or do whatever. It's like, um, and start to earn, save money for yourself so that you can go out and do this. It's, you know, we're almost yeah. like pushed out on our own, you know? We pride ourselves on pushing our kids out at 18 <laughs> right. and them being independent and able to do everything. But you've been 18, you know, you were an adult. You weren't right. ready yeah, yeah, for on sure. your own. Yeah. yeah, do anything by yourself. And I think too often, is society's expectation and we mm. we we pride ourselves on burnout and how much I can do by myself mm. without another human being helping me when that's not the way it's supposed to be. Yeah. You know, we how do you think we got that way? Or and why do you think um, we got that way? I will say the rat race, everybody trying to yeah. claw their way to the top and and our society is so focused on materialistic items and who mm -hmm. has the most money. It's like the game of life. I'm going to collect as many things as I can, you know, before the end of my life without actually enjoying any, taking time to enjoy any of these things. Mm -hmm. So we're just kind of stuck on this hamster wheel of going to work so we can have money to live, <laughs> to go to work some more. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's funny. As you say that, I'm picturing the board game Monopoly in my head and I'm thinking like, that's such a popular game. And it's kind of because, you know, people can more quickly and easily acquire you know the things that they're really trying to go after in the real world like buying this house or buying baltic avenue or you know getting uh, you know you know uh, the railroads or whatever it's like it's it's i don't know how how we've come to that point uh, it the seems focus really is ridiculous just too much the focus is just too much on what we can acquire instead of actual life experience instead of real connections you know like for myself it was, uh, you know, just from the background that I come from, it was, oh, if you buy a house, that's like, that's the big dream to own a yeah. home. Mm -hmm. So, you know, or getting married, I guess, you know, get married, buy a house. So, okay, I, I got married. I wasn't happy. I bought a house. And then I'm like, now what? Mm -hmm. What do yeah. I, right. what comes next besides just working until I'm too old to actually enjoy anything? <laughs> you know? It's, I don't know how we, I would love to hear your thoughts on it. Um, and then I would definitely want to get back into your line of work. Um, but, you know, it's, it's put out there, you know, like exactly what you said, you know, get that house and you'll be happy then, you know, or happier. But I don't think that there's anybody who doesn't realize and know that, well, you can be sitting in that big empty house uh, with no family or no love around you or nobody who gives a crap about you, right? Um, and you're not going to be happy. I mean, we've seen that a million times in real life with people we know. We've seen it with, you know, celebrities and rich people and, you know, movie stars and whatever. So I, it's, it's something I struggle with is how how is it or why is it that people still do that or still go after that? Or is it just once you've had enough of that shit, people finally give that up or why, do, why do we still go after it? And why do we teach our kids that or, or allow it to be taught to them or pushed to them in media or advertising or whatever? 